Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. a lot. Um, I enjoy that quite a bit. I love really the whole process. Um, I love diving into a text. I love researching things. I love coming up with sermon series. I love going through all my books. I, I love it all. Um, and if I'm referencing something, like something historical, or if I'm like quoting a person, or if I'm talking about something that I can just easily verify, I try to be very accurate um, and thorough in discussing it. Um, I try to just be like present basic facts and you know not get those things wrong because I don't want someone to come up to me afterwards and say like, well, actually it was so and so that said this thing, or actually this event happened in this year or something like that. Like I just don't I don't want to get basic facts wrong. Um, now we may at times like disagree on theology or like the implications of a verse or something like that. Absolutely, we are allowed to do that. But like simple fact checking, just basic things like did this happen or did this not happen? Like I try to be very thorough in that regard. Um, but I am human. I make mistakes from time to time. Um, and in fact, in a sermon that I gave shortly after arriving here, I was fact checked uh, afterwards by several people who are in this room right now. Um, we were looking at James chapter 5, the, the passage that was just up on the screen. Um, in that passage, James talks about anointing uh, folks with oil. Um, and, and that morning, in that sermon, a little over two years ago, I said, eh, that's some, not something we do here, but certainly I'm open to the idea of it. You know, why not? Um, and when I said that, I was wrong. Um, I was unaware of the fact that historically our faith stream, our denomination, our tradition, the Church of the Brethren, has uh, practiced anointing people with oil, um, doing services around this theme, etc. Like this has been like kind of a practice we've been we've had for 300 years. Um, different pockets of Christianity have also done this practice as well, uh, which we are one of. Um, and so um, when when people were, were coming up to me and correcting me on that, they, everyone was also very very quick to say like, but also like we don't really do it that much, and sometimes we forget about it. It's, it's sort of drifted away as well. Um, and as I've also learned, that's true in our denomination across the board as well. Um, one of the classes I was taking last year was about brethren practices, and the, uh, the Bethany Seminary professor, Dr. Kettering Lane, was, uh, we kind of had a, a lecture about that, and she basically said the same thing, that historically we've practiced this, but it's kind of drifted away. It's kind of uh, gotten away from us. And so over the last few weeks, we've been exploring some of our practices together. We talked about communion at length one Sunday. Uh, two weeks ago, we, we talked about foot washing, and we, we, we did that as well. And so in thinking about some of the practices of who we are, I thought it would be very um, appropriate to just talk about this as well, like the practice of anointing. Uh, so we'll talk about James, and we'll talk about prayers. We'll talk, we'll talk about anointing and oil in the Bible. Uh, and then we'll talk about it kind of historically in our tradition and, and kind of what it means for us today. Uh, as always, we begin in prayer, so I do invite you to pray with me now. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful uh, just for your, 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 your scripture, the truth of what is uh, contained there. We're thankful for the message of James for his original audience and the message of that throughout the ages, the truth of that throughout the ages as well. Uh, we're thankful to explore prayer together and anointing together this morning. I uh, pray that I would indeed preach and proclaim what is true of you. If I say anything that's, that's not of you, let that be forgotten. Uh, but we pray that we would, you would be brought glory and honor, that we'd learn to better be your disciples and understand prayer and anointing as a result. 
Amen. All right, so this section from James is all about prayer. Um, verses 13 to 18 have the word pray or prayer, praying in just about every single sentence. Um, and the general gist of this passage is basically just to be praying at, at, all, at all times, in every in all situations. You know, whatever is going on in your life, to be praying. Um, are you in trouble? Are you suffering? You should pray. Are you happy? Are you cheerful? Then sing songs of praise, uh, which are essentially like prayers. Um, are you sick? Then call the elders of the church and have them pray over you. Um, so whatever your situation is, whether it's good or bad, whether you're healthy or sick, uh, whether you're feeling like you've sinned or you're innocent, um, just keep on trucking, keep on praying. Just have that be part of your life. Um, and this passage from James calls us to embody a lifestyle of prayer, just regardless of what's going on. Uh, again, whether you're at the top of the mountain or at the bottom of the valley, just whatever is going on, to make prayer a priority in your life. And sometimes when we talk about this kind of stuff, it, it, we can kind of get weird about it because we can kind of uh, talk about like guilt or shame. Like we read this, and we're like, oh, just like I wish I was praying more. I didn't pray that much last week or something like that. A lot of times these discussions can get kind of yeah, kind of kind of guilt-ridden. Um, and I certainly don't want to do that this morning. I don't, I don't want to preach a message and be like, guys. You ain't praying enough, you need to pray more, okay, I'll see you next week. Like, I, I don't want that to be the, the uh, message, because that's not very helpful. Um, you know, at the end of the day, prayer is a good thing. It leads us to a better understanding of God, God's character, and how God should have us live. And that's what we're here. That's, like, what, what life is about, like, just trying to, like, live a life in service to God. And, you know, the thing that we believe about God, the magnificent thing about God, is that God is always here with us, among us, always reaching out to us. And it doesn't matter if you haven't prayed in a long time or weeks or months or years. It doesn't matter if you've literally never said a single prayer in your entire lifetime. God is always with us, in front of us, with open arms. Uh, kind of like that, uh, that um, uh, demonstration this morning. Like God's like kind of always around uh, us. And so overall, it's an encouragement just to have prayer be a regular part of our lives. And, like, whatever that looks like, you know, whether that's, like, you're driving around in your car and you're at a stoplight, like, I'm just going to pray, like, at this light. Uh, whether it means, like, getting up early and reading your Bible and praying. Uh, whether it means just buying a book of prayers. Like, there's, there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, so I think um, this is just about having a spirit of just prayer being part of our lives. Um, prayer is a wonderful thing, um, and at times can be a very powerful thing. There can be very real and true and uh, he true healing and change because of our prayers. Um, Elijah, or James cites the story of Elijah the prophet and how because of his prayers it didn't rain in Israel for three years. Uh, we read about this in 1 Kings uh, 17, and James uses this example to show just how powerful prayers can be and how good things can serve. Um, our prayers can indeed also bring um, forgiveness and healing in our lives. That's what kind of James highlights here. He seems to indicate that these are two of the key things brought about by prayer, forgiveness and healing. Certainly there can be more, but again, we're just looking at what James says. So in verses 15 to 16, on the topic of forgiveness, he says, um, if uh, someone has sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can heal. And then as far as uh, healing, if someone is sick, then call the elders to pray over them, to anoint them with oil, that the prayer offered in faith will make the person well. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Um, you read these kind of verses, and hopefully they kind of raise a whole slew of questions for you. Um, we could certainly spend a lot of time just delving into the specifics of this, of like how prayer relates to forgiveness and healing. Like, these are pretty big topics. Um, I'm going to offer a few comments. This is like not remotely exhaustive. Uh, but so first, let's talk about the topic of forgiveness and prayer. 
Um, I think it can be hard for us, especially as modern day Americans, uh, to admit when we're wrong about things. It can be hard for us to admit when we need help with things. Um, it can just be hard for us to just come to terms with the fact that we are not perfect and like we, we get things wrong along the way. Um, and one way to help, I, th I think, us get over this is to be in the habit of being honest with our shortcomings, to be honest with our flaws, and to admit when we're wrong about stuff. Uh, to like, like, let humility kind of guide our, our lives uh, with this. Because um, I, I know that can be difficult. Like when I, had, when I got up here and said, like, hey, I was wrong in a sermon two years ago, like, I felt pretty silly about that. I felt a bit sheepish about that. Uh, but I know that there can be real healing and change through that process as well. Because um, there's, there's also something very powerful about outwardly admitting, like, hey, like, this is something I got wrong. This is something I need help with. Um, here's, here's something I, I need to fix in my, in my life. Like, I need help with this thing. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, like, that can be very powerful. Um, some traditions actually have a regular confession of sin in their liturgies, and I think that's a really great and powerful thing. Um, we've done Ash Wednesday services here over the last couple of years where we get together and we just, like, publicly lament and say, like, we are human and we have messed up and we need your grace in our lives. Like it's a regular rhythm of something we do here. And so again, our prayers need to be founded in humility and recognizing we get stuff wrong at times, that we all have blind spots, that we are all in need of correction from time to time. Uh, these things help us to spiritually heal, to spiritually mature. Uh, prayer can also potentially bring about physical healing as well. Um, that's most certainly a huge part of our prayers, of prayers for healing. Um, even even every, uh, every morning when we meet on Sundays, we talk about our joys and concerns, and often there are health things with that. Uh, we normally think about physical healing, but certainly there's mental or emotional or spiritual or whatever kind of healing one may need to experience as well. So yes, physical healing is a thing, but there's other realms of healing too. And while James is calling us to have the elders pray, pray over us, I don't think it's limited to just people who are mature in their faith or who are older or who are a leader in the church. Like, elder is kind of one of those loaded terms. Like, what does he mean here? Um, I think it's just really generally praying for each other. Uh, but there's, there's the second part, though, about you know, healing. Uh, if you pray that someone who is sick will be healed. Like, you read that, and you're like, that sounds really great. And I certainly believe that at times it happens, uh, but hopefully, again, leads us to think about the times where, like, when that, doesn't, when that doesn't happen, when there isn't the case, or when there isn't healing. Um, that, that's a very real and honest question, and hopefully something that we've struggled with in some form or another, because you know, what do you do with that claim? Um, I read this, I struggle with this as well, because there's times in my life I've prayed for things or people, and it just there hasn't been that healing. Um, and so it can get really messy as we try to understand how prayer and healing go together, and how they don't always go. Because um, in my life, I've seen some miraculous things. I've seen some miraculous answers to prayers. I've talked to people from literally all over the world and heard some pretty crazy stories. Um, and I've also seen plenty of prayers that seemingly go unanswered as well. Uh, that family member that doesn't get better, uh, that marriage that's failing, that, that job that's lost, that, that tragedy that gets worse and worse. Um, we've all seen these issues, and I think we've all struggled with how to answer this. Like, why do my prayers go unanswered? Um, you can get technical and say, well, your prayer has been answered. It's just the answer was not what you wanted it to be because the answer is no. Um, so I want to pause for a moment. I want to be very clear about something. Let us not ever put ourselves in a position where you feel like someone else's healing is dependent upon your faith. Um, your faith or lack of faith, however you want to describe it, whatever words you want to use, uh, will never be the thing that solely heals someone or does not uh, heal someone, like how much you pray, how much you don't pray, etc. So, like, 
uh, let's not put that upon ourselves, let's not put that upon others. Like, that's just not how this works. Let's not conflate this text with that type of theology because that is certainly a mindset that is out there and that can cause a lot of damage along the way. Um, so when I look at this text and think about like, when, like the time of when it was written, like I think, like, okay, what is James getting at here? Um, James seems to be connecting some types of sickness with the concept of sin. Um, in the first century, uh, there was the generally held idea, like in that world 2,000 years ago, um, most people um, like had the idea that if some calamity was in your life, including disease or sickness, it was some result of some sort of personal wrongdoing or personal sin. Um, we see this actually in one of the questions that the disciples asked Jesus at one point. Uh, they see a man born blind and they say, who sinned this man or his parents uh, that he was uh, unable to see? And if you know the story of how that plays out, Jesus is like, guys, that's not what's going on here at all. Um, so while not a perfect answer, where I would take this particular text and the idea of praying and healing would be that James is speaking about sin in your life and how that is healed through our prayers. But that praying for forgiveness over sins or wrongdoing or just stuff we're getting wrong in our life is certainly something uh, that brings healing um, as we believe that God is the one to forgive us. Like, you know, our, our theology is like centered around the idea of grace. And so when we are praying for like just the forgiveness of our sins, Absolutely, that is always, always, always true. Like, God is always there and gracious in front of us doing that. So that's where I would take this particular text. And so a life marked by the spirit and the rhythm of prayer is something we see all throughout the Bible, and I feel confident we can get behind that. Hopefully what I'm saying right now, one's like, oh, I don't believe in prayer is not important. I think you're all probably on board with most of the stuff that I'm saying now. All right, so let's talk about the oil stuff. Let's get, let's get into oil. Um, again, that's another concept we see all throughout the, uh, throughout the Bible. Um, it's very much an ancient practice. Um, here's a list of some of the things we see in the Bible with, with oil. Um, kings would be anointed with it. They'd pour oil on their heads, which symbolized God's special blessing or call upon their lives. Um, even the word Messiah, that means anointed one. Uh, we believe that Jesus was God's special anointed one. We even see in Mark 6 that uh, when the disciples are sent out by Jesus, uh, they, it says the, uh, they drove out demons and they healed people after anointing them. Oil was used in sacrifices. It was understood to have medicinal value as well. So if you do a keyword search for oil in the Bible, you see it in just almost every single book in the Hebrew Scriptures, and you see it a bunch in the New Testament as well. And I think that like many things in the Bible, many things that we read about there, that culturally we, there's been a loss that's happened along, uh, along the way. That culturally oil has lost a lot of its significance for us as modern people, because most of these things up here, we don't really use oil for in that capacity. I think for most of us, oil is something that you cook with. Oil is something that goes in your car. It's something that you put in a grocery list to pick up at the store, like for some sort of purpose in your life. Um, now, we do have essential oils. Like, that's a thing that some people use, which maybe there's some sort of medicinal healing thing there. So that is something that we have in our lives, which has a connection point to the past. But I think, again, for most of us, oil is, like, not something that we, like, think about in that, in that kind of, on like a spiritual kind of level. Um, here, though, we see James encourage fellow believers to anoint others when they pray over them, to anoint them with oil. And when you study the history of the church, uh, this was something that was practiced in various circles and pockets for a very long time. Like, 
from the earliest days of the New Testament church up through the Reformation, we just see this being a practice that's continued in some form or another. Um, but again, time happens, the Reformation happens, and suddenly you have all kinds of groups, and it gets kind of messy because it goes from like, oh, there's kind of this consistent thing to like, well, there's like a hundred different things, and like, who does what? It gets a little bit messy. And so anointing, it never really went away. It's always been around in some form or another, uh, but it's, it becomes like practiced in some circles and other circles, not so much. Um, I was again thinking about my own life and the churches I've been a part of, the half a dozen or so churches I've been a part of in my life. To the best of my knowledge, we did not practice this. Or if we did, it was like a one-time thing, like one, like it was like this really special big, but like big ordeal kind of thing. But generally speaking, I didn't grow up with this practice. So for me, it's a foreign idea, and probably from, uh, for many of you, it is as well. You hear this, and you're like, I didn't know people did this. You know, like that might be, if you're thinking that right now, you're not alone in that. Like, you know, many people, many people are there. But in our faith tradition, in the Church of the Brethren, when the original brethren in the 1700s, uh, when they were forming, uh, when they were gathering together, when they were pouring over scriptures, when they were studying church history, um, they landed on the idea of yes. That yes, indeed, we should do this. Uh, that James, not Jesus, like said to do it. We read about this in the early church. Thus, we should as well. And so in our tradition, we call this an ordinance, kind of like we do with baptism, communion, and foot washing. Uh, now, like with foot washing, different pockets, different churches have practiced this in different ways. Uh, like I mentioned in the beginning of my sermon, it's, um, it's also somewhat faded away. And there's been this dialogue, this discussion, this encouragement to bring the practice back. Um, so now when it comes to like prayer and like when you start to involve objects in, like with your prayer, sometimes that can get a little tricky as well. Sometimes it can get a little like, okay, this is kind of weird. So let's address a few of those kind of like things as well. Um, so, you know, maybe you've heard of the concept of like holy relics or you watch a movie and you're like, oh, there's this thing. And if I touch it, I get healed. You know, like, um, like that's a concept that exists. Like it's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about anything like magical or like a holy relic or anything like that. Um, likewise, there are folks out there that claim to be faith healers, and God is especially working through them. Or you know, you send a little, you send a little card, or you send a little check to them. They send a card back to you, like they, they prayed over. Like, not, not, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, it also does not mean that we like uh, don't believe in science and medicine and doctors and all that. Like, very much, I like all of those things. But here's, I think, what what anointing does. I think here's kind of like where I'm my understanding of this is that anointing invites us into this ancient practice. And it opens you up to the fact that there is something going on in your life, there's something in your world, something is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, that God's shalom has been broken in your life. The idea of heaven here on earth, a world free of pain and suffering, like, uh, like that's not going on right now. And anointing invites, invites you into the acknowledgement that something is off and that shalom has been broken. And that the anointing process, you are trusting that God will help to fix it or restore it, while recognizing that not everything always plays out the way you'd like it to. And so I think anointing is just kind of a thing that invites you into like a, a, a being able to trust God more deeply and more fully and like kind of like a little more spiritually. Uh, it also invites you to be trusting and vulnerable with others in your faith community, because this is something that you do like in community uh, with others. There, there's something that you need help with. There's something that you need healing with. So in the brethren kind of like way of doing this, um, there are three major reasons we say that we offer anointing. I'm, I'm sure there's 
talk about other things, but this is kind of where the brethren have landed. And so when we talk about anointing, we do this for three reasons. We say for the forgiveness of sins, for the strengthening of faith, and for the healing and wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. That's like kind of like where we've landed with like why we offer this. Um, now, we are a fairly low church tradition, meaning that we don't typically say, like, well, you can do this, you can't. We typically don't get too caught up in that kind of stuff. Um, but we also typically reserve this thing that, like, that's like what the pastor does or maybe the deacons. All right, logistically, though, okay, I kind of throw in some high-level ideas. Let, let's go, like, on the ground let's talk about it logistically. What does this mean for us, like, moving forward? What are we, what are we talking about here? Um, so we could actually do an anointing service if we wanted to do uh, wanted to do that, meaning that if we got we could get together on a Sunday morning and like really have our whole time uh, be about that. Um, it could be on a Sunday morning. It could be like you know a different time of, of the week as well. Um, you know we're we're not doing that this morning. Maybe at some point we will. You know maybe we would do a special anointing service. Um, so even though we're not technically doing that, I wanted to reintroduce the topic to make sure that we're all aware of this, what our history with it, with it is, and kind of what we can do with it moving forward. Um, and I think when I, when I was kind of like thinking about this, again, this is more of a foreign idea for me, um, I think anointing is kind of like foot washing, where it's this like this ancient thing you read about in your Bible and you're like, oh, we could still do this today. And maybe on some level it makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and again, maybe we talk about it and practice it a little bit, but maybe we like, you know, kind of a little bit hands off as well. And I think we're in a good season to really reset some things here. Like I've been spending months talking about just our backstory and what we believe and value we're talking about some of our practices so like we're kind of just like resetting uh, some of those things that's why we're uh, doing that today we're talking about our traditions and the importance of uh, continuing them uh, we're talking about like you know it's important to talk about what they mean why they are important to continue um, we don't uh, we don't I don't I don't bring this up to say like oh we did this in the past and therefore we should do this for the sake of tradition. Like I have zero desire to continue things simply for the sake of tradition, but I think we should, um, if they mean something and if they have spiritual value to them, absolutely we should continue them and practice them. And I think anointing, that would be the case uh, for me. I think it's absolutely an important and a good thing to continue with. And so moving forward, I want everyone who's sitting here to know, everyone who's involved in our church, just know that if you would ever like to experience anointing with oil, we can make that happen for you. I even got exciting, like getting mail order stuff. I even was able to mail order some uh, oil. So we, I have that in my repertoire of stuff. So moving forward, if you would ever like a healing or a, like anointing with oil for these three reasons, we can make that happen for you. Again, for the forgiveness of sins, the strengthening of faith, and the healing and wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. And so, okay, like, how, what does that mean? How do we make that happen? So here's what I mean by that. So if you are dealing with something heavy in your life, if you're dealing with like a decline in health, uh, like a disease or an injury, a, a major surgery, if there's some sort of like major decision you're having to make, if you're dealing with like a separation or a divorce, a miscarriage, a loss or change of job that's like really impacting you, if there's this like thing in your life, if there's some sort of like cloud hovering over you, like weighing on your soul, if there's some sort of heaviness in your life, maybe some sort of brokenness in your life, if there's something that's like just causing you to stay up at night and like in, in your brain, all you know is like, hey man, like I am not at peace right now. Like if something like I just described is going on and you're trying to figure life out, um, I would love to offer a time of anointing for you. And we're not talking about anything crazy or super intense or anything like that. Just a simple time to get together 
to talk for a bit and to pray about what's going on in your life. And to be clear, I'm not a faith healer. <laughs> that does not mean that whatever this heavy thing in your life is, it will go away. But it's an invitation that you are trusting God with your life. That you are trusting God with, like, the stuff that's going on in your life and, like, that, that you believe that, like, you're trying to do the right thing and trust in God. Ideally, it would be something that we would plan out. You know, it just doesn't just spontaneously happen on a Sunday morning. But, you know, like, we can certainly make it happen in the moment as well. Um, but since uh, we did make that the theme of our service today, I want to offer that as something for us all this morning. Um, so what does, that, what does that mean? So the service will be over in a few minutes. I'm on the last page of my sermon, in case you were wondering. So we're almost done. Um, so like normal, I'll end our sermon in prayer. We'll sing a hymn. And then I'll discuss, uh, we'll be dismissed with the benediction. And so after that, I'm not going to go out and greet you at the door. I'm going to stick up here, kind of hang out here for a few minutes. Um, Donna, as our deacon as well, has agreed to come up here, be here as well. And so we're just going to be up here for a few minutes. And if there's something on your mind, something weighing on you, and you would like some extra prayer and an anointing, we are here to do that for you this morning. Again, we'll just be up for a few minutes, but be real chill about it. So keeping it really simple, um, we'll ask you, hey, is there something that you would like to share? And you can say, yes, I have this thing I would like to share. You can say, no, I, just, I would just like some prayer. That is for you. Um, and then we will anoint your head with oil, and we will say the following. I anoint you for the forgiveness of your sins, for the strengthening of your faith, and for healing and wholeness according to God's grace and wisdom. And we'll just offer a very simple, spontaneous prayer to that. So that is what that looks like for us this morning. So anointing is an ancient practice that over time has shifted and changed in meaning. And for many of us today, it's lost the sense that it had for generations prior to us. And so while receiving oil is not a magic ticket to a life free from hardship or pain, it does help to, us to open up to recognizing the brokenness of this world and our belief and our desire that God can fix it. And so let us continue to be a people who are shaped by Christ. Let us continue to be a people who are open to the Holy Spirit, a people who are open to prayer in our own lives and praying for one another. And let us continue to be a people who understand the symbolism of anointing and God's lordship over all of Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.